Warning! What follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem! I'm Nick. I'm Zach. <laughs> Welcome to Weird and Feared, a barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand your world. Feast of the Ass. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> that was a uh, that was a formerly pagan tradition that eventually became associated through the conquest of Christianity throughout Europe with the Virgin Mary and Joseph. You know, going on to represent their flight throughout Egypt after the birth of Christ, Christ, in which they traveled on a donkey, looking for shelter, going about their business. Feast okay. <laughs> of the ass. Yeah. Okay. So part of the actual you know, practice of the festival, the tradition, involves a woman with a child riding around on a donkey, sometimes a pregnant woman, um, but basically a woman with a kid and a donkey, representing, you know, symbolizing the Virgin Mary and her newborn child, you know, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Heard uh, of him. He, uh, yeah, he's a popular guy, I suppose. A lot of people, you know, talk about him. Yeah. Yep. Well, the feast was very prominent in France once upon a time, and often the ass used in the parade was not a living ass, but an ass made of wood that would be animated by a man, like a costume. A costume ass. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, dress up like a donkey, walk around. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, just part of the part of the tradition. Having that's what you should call having fun. Mm-hmm. Good right, old-fashioned fun. Right. Good old-fashioned fun. What are you doing? Oh, I'm dressing up like an ass for Jesus. I'm an ass for Jesus. Great. <laughs> huh. Good. That's a cool Good. thing to say about yourself. Wow. <laughs> All right, well, one stanza translated from France. From France. Wow, the language French. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> translated from French um, for the feast, which, again, is a combination, a mishmash of Christianity and pagan rituals. Um, goes as follows. Again, this is a translated stanza of something you might hear sang or sung or spoken. The Feast of the Ass. From the eastern lands the ass has come, beautiful and very brave, well fitted to bear burdens. Up, sir ass, and sing. Open your pretty mouth. Hay will be yours in plenty, and oats in abundance. Huh. Just, wow, sir language ass. has changed quite a bit. <laughs> Isn't it though? I'm sure it didn't. I mean, I'm sure in the original France language that it was spoken in, it sounded a little bit. Yeah, it was probably a little different. Maybe. All right, well, the Feast of the Ass has also been said to spring from another festival, the Feast of Fools, a festival where bishop. Um, well, skipped ahead. A festival where people dressed up as fake clergymen, like bishops, etc., you know, high ranking church dudes. Um, the lower church dudes would take on positions of power and, uh, you know, deliver their own versions of mass. Basically, they were role-playing, you know, kind of. The feast was ripe with parody and critiques of the current, you know, top-down social order, a uh, eventing celebration. So, you know, lower members of the church dress up like, you know, the important guys, and they're like, oh, I'm big and important. I'm going to talk about the Lord. And they're like, Look, oh. I'm an I'm an ass. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm an ass. I'm an ass for Jesus. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sir Ass, here I am. Listen to my mass, Sir Ass. All right, now we're getting crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it, you know, it was kind of like a Comedy Central roast, except the okay. people roasted did not appreciate it. They were not in on the joke. They did not think it was very funny and actually considered it quite blasphemous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sounds you know, about right. Right. Uh, but good traditions die hard, so it took a while for the feast to be stamped out. But like any good nostalgia trip, it ebbed and flowed in popularity, depending on the time and place. You know, here and there, there and ass, here and ass, everywhere. And ass I'm an ass, ass, you're an ass. <laughs> I'm an ass, you're an ass, we're all asses. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
Well, but again, the Feast of the Ass was a merging of pagan traditions with Christianity, and many European cultures placed reverence on donkeys. And by the same token, horses. Let's, um, let's take a slight aside and discuss some things totally boring and not cool at all. All right, so it's going to be pretty okay. lame for a second. Okay. Don, the Irish god of death. Don? Don. D-O-N-N. Since his name's just Don? Is this Don. Two N's makes it seem a little more Celtic. But yeah, this is Don. Huh. Good old Don. Don was once a man, but upon being shipwrecked and with, with his death certain, um, his dying wish was for all his descendants to gather at... I should have looked up how to pronounce this in uh, Celtic, but I did not. But it was just spelled... I'm going to say it how it's spelled. Uh, Tekduin. T-E-C-H-D-U-I-N-N. Tekduin. Or doing, doing, after sure. their own deaths. So basically, he said, when all when he died, all his descendants would gather at Tech Dune after their own deaths. Now, what does Tech Dune mean? Uh, it means the house of Don. That's obvious. That's his name. Okay. Or <laughs> the uh, the house of the Dark One. All right. This place was or is essentially a boarding platform for the dead, often considered to be bull. Rock, which is off the western point of Ireland, sitting in waters off the coast, like it's just, you know, it's literally just a rock off the coast of Ireland, and has, but it has an open hole in it where water kind of travels under it, serving, logically, as a presumed portal to the Celtic other world. Mm-hmm. The uh, proper term for such a structure, I suppose, is a portal tomb. And many stone structures that can be classified as such are found scattered throughout remnants of the ancient world. Now, do I want to talk about portal tombs and the Celtic Otherworld? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But um, those deep dives will have to wait to a future episode. But the Otherworld, portal tombs, I mean, come on. All right. Mm-hmm. So Don is claimed to have been an ancestor of all Gauls and Gales, and sometimes, you know, Gaelic, sometimes he can be seen on this mortal realm, appearing as a phantom knight horseman atop a white steed, god of the dead, who rides a white horse. Interesting. Hmm. All right, so as we're dealing with things that are totally not cool at all, other important gods who preside over the afterlife who are associated with horses. The uh, Celtic goddess Rhiannon, who also rides a pale horse, and is a goddess of fertility. What was, now, what was her name again? Um, Rhiannon. Rhiannon. Like the uh, <coughs> Fleetwood Mac song? Um, Rhiannon? R- Rhiannon, is it? R H I N N A N. I can't visualize how to spell it right now. Rhiannon, yeah, because it ends in it ends in like an O N. It's not just Rihanna. It's Rhiannon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, if we travel closer to the Mediterranean, and also I could have looked up, Rihanna is pretty cool, by the way. If anybody wants to take an aside, pause the episode, look up Rihanna and come back to me. I'm cool with that. But uh not going to delve too pause you now. here. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Billy, hold on. I'll All be right, back so, in an hour. <laughs> okay. All right, ready? <laughs> yeah. All right. If we travel closer to the Mediterranean, jumping from the British Isles, the Greek god Poseidon and Medusa had a child named Pegasus, the winged horse of Pegasus fame. You've heard of that. I have. <laughs> um, and upon being challenged to create a beautiful creature, so this is, he's given birth to Pegasus, that's attachment to horses, but then Poseidon was challenged to create a beautiful creature. So Poseidon created horses out of the breaking of waves. That's right. Poseidon gave birth to the horse. Now, it's a weird thing a for a water god to do, but isn't that? So let's uh, let's do some quick connections here based on previous episodes of this beautiful podcast called Weird and Feared. And uh, now there is not a direct link here or a direct line, but we thought it was weird that the knuckle of V, a skeleton sinew muscles horse centaur death machine, would spring from the ocean as a horse creature. As opposed to anything else, right? That was kind of odd. He came out of the ocean like as a horse monster. Yeah, right. Well, if the water is where the horses come from, if we follow the signs here, kind of makes sense. Yeah. And that kind of makes things even scarier. If Poseidon gave birth to horses and the knuckle of V erupts from... Like, what happened there? 
Oh my god. <laughs> Bad date. Yeah, not good. Go, <laughs> Poseidon, what were you doing with that trident of yours? Where are you putting that? What kind of yeah. Anyways, we talked about Aquaman and aliens and probing last week. What was Poseidon up to down there? I don't want to know. Don't want to know. Hmm. Hmm. Also, um, while not totally the same, according to the made-up science lie, you know, known as evolution, uh, land animals <laughs> evolve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, just going uh-huh. with it, you know. Right. Uh, land yeah. animals did evolve from water animals. So the legend of Poseidon creating horses, you know, kind of in an old world idea, kind of has some truth to it, you know? Yeah, okay. Evolve out of the All water, right. come to land, yeah. right? I mean, you got to fill in that gap there of Poseidon to horses, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Also, what color are waves when they break usually? White, well, right? Yeah, they're white. Yeah, like the foam. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So jumping across the world. Um, white stallions would be used as stand-ins for the sun and be used as sacrifices in Hinduism. Kind of neat. And it also bears reminding everyone that one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse rides a pale horse, and his name is Death. His name is Death. His name is Death. (laughs) Also, also, we mentioned him earlier on, uh, Jesus himself is said to ride his own white horse in and out of heaven in the book of Revelations as well. So Jesus got a little white horse. I didn't know that one. Yeah, I believe he does. I believe he does. So is there some association with Jesus and death? Not the same, but... That'd be you know, intense. Assuming, what a yeah, twist. Right? Like, oh, who saw that one? Yeah, yeah, who saw that coming? <laughs> oh. Death rips off his robe. It's Jesus. What? <laughs> it was me all along. Oh, shit. Now I'm just thinking of the... Uh, God damn it. Fucking thoughts in my head. Now I'm thinking about the uh, the wrestling plot line where Vince McMahon revealed himself as being the leader of like Undertaker's... Like a dark, uh, you know, his uh, his uh, dark apostles or whatever, his mm-hmm. the corporate ministry or whatever. He rips off his mask. It was me, Austin, all along. Jesus, oh my God! <laughs> Why are you yelling at Stone Cold? Anyways, all right. There are many stories emphasizing the significance of white horses all around the world, and I would love to get into them all. But let's refocus our attention back to Europe one last time. And Santa, I mean, uh, Odin, uh, I mean, you know how it's easy to get those two confused because they're, you know, they're the uh, um, same guy, the same, they're the same human being. Well, the same God, human being. Wow. I don't think so. Just knocked his power level down. Wow. They're the same entity. Right. And his eight legged steer, Slipnir, who was known to be a gray horse, a white horse. All right. So whitish. It's more white than black. That's or true. equal parts? I don't know. Interesting. Mm. Oh, Interesting. Du- yeah. Dualities? Interesting. All right, so horses are important. That much I've established. And the uh, the cultures of the British Isles would find several ways to cherish and commemorate them. Chief among them being the hobby horse. Or the abios. What the hell is an abios? Do you know what an abios is? Sure don't. Beautiful. All right, let's get into it. Now, here are some types of hobby horses. Now, one is called the tourney horse, and a tourney horses are meant to look like a small, like a uh, like a person riding a small horse that is wearing a long cloth coat or caparison. This little paragraph was taken from the Wikipedia, by the way, as seen in medieval illustrations of jousting knights at a tourney or tournament. A circular or oval frame is suspended around their waist or chest, with a skirt draped over it hanging down to the ground. Um, the frame has a carved wooden head, often with snapping jaws, operated by pulling a string attached to it at one end and a tail at the other. The rider may wear a cape or other flowing costume to help cover the frame. In the most elaborate versions, fake legs meant to be those of the rider hang down from the sides of the skirt, though this seems to be a fairly recent development. Now, when I was reading this description, this reminded me of one of those Halloween costumes where you, you know, form the bottom half of, like, a T-Rex with your legs or, like, an alien, and it looks like you're riding mm-hmm. something or, like, yeah. thing, like, your legs dangling. That's exactly what I'm picturing here. Sounds about right. Kind of, you know, <clears throat> having a little fun with, you know, sizing and perspectives and, you know, being clever, being cute. Mm-hmm. All right, there's another type of uh, hobby horse called a sea of horse. There are simpler versions of the tourney horse, known only in Lincolnshire. They are made from a farm sea of frame with head and tail attached, suspended from the performer's shoulders. Uh, the performer wears a horse blanket, the kind that includes a headpiece with holes for the eyes and ears that covers them and the seat. Now, 
Those are just some kind of hobby horses. There are more. Um, some hobby horses are gigantic and require several operators. These would be the horses used for May Day celebrations in Britain, most prominently being the Abbey Oss Festival and Padstow Cornwall. Hobby horse, Abbey Oss. I mean, it's just like hobby horse in an accent that just gets rid of letters. You know what I mean? Or being like too drunk to say words. Uh, my Abbey Oss. Yeah, basically. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the uh, the festival most likely has Celtic origins and has been said to have started as an ancient fertility rite. Now, this is the description of Abios Festival in Padsar Cornwall, taken from its descriptive Wikipedia page. Starting on May Eve, everyone in the town assembles at the Golden Lion. It autocorrected in to just like I-N. It's an N, buddies. Okay, fucking phone crap. Golden Lion Inn. To join in a chorus of the night song. By morning, the town is covered in greenery and flowers. It's been decorated. The sort with extensive decorations being wrapped around the maypole. Um, have you seen maypoles? You know what they look like? Mm-hmm. Big things. Yeah. Okay, so picture that bad boy. Um, but things don't really get, get going until one of the Abbey Osses makes his debut. And it's quite a debut. Let's see. No, you know what? I summarize this. I put this into my own words. Sorry for faking out there and giving Wikipedia the shout-out. Um, men dressed as one of the two abiosses, because there are two in this festival, either the old or the blue ribbon variant, gallivant all over town, dancing and prancing as they are led by the teasers, who, while wearing black frame-hung capes and masks, try to wrangle young maidens under said capes. So they're guiding these horses and chasing young women around. What a cool thing Trying to, to get them under their capes? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a little. Uh, a little I don't risky. wear capes anymore. Capes seem I, cool. I mean, not not because I want to put. <laughs> but no. I just think they're cool. <laughs> no, right. We changed. We changed <laughs> discussions of capes to not being that was why we liked them. <laughs> Should have maybe chose a better time to bring That's up fine. how capes are cool. No, <laughs> it's. I mean, well, you know, <laughs> your picture, your picture shot. It's fine. I mean, it's yeah. You know. Well. They use these capes to capture women. Man, why can't capes... It's fine. <laughs> why, why don't we wear capes anymore? <laughs> That's, it's fine. I mean, you know. <laughs> if there was just a pause, it would have... <laughs> okay. So that's what they do. And now while singing the morning song, the two processions are led by the MC with a festive stick and bands of accordions and drums follow. I mean, it's, it's a fucking party. As evening is nigh, the two osses meet at the maypole and then proceed back to their own stables as the partiers continue singing songs. However, by this point in the festivities, they are singing off the osses' deaths. They're singing of their deaths. So we begin the day singing the morning song, they're all alive, and then by the end, it's time for the osses to die, and we sing the death songs. Okay. Now, of course, this death is not permanent, as they will be resurrected the next May Day, when the Abiosses return to party. Hmm. All right. Some uh, some details on the parades and the makeup of these parades, and kind of there's a few rules that go along. You just can't be anybody when you're part of this parade. It's a very localized tradition with some localized... Um, regulations. Uh, quote, each procession represents a different half of the town's community. Only those whose families have lived in pad style for at least two generations are permitted to take part in the processions. So it just can't be anybody hopping in. You have to have, like, you need to be a local to be part of this parade. Okay. Each procession contains, uh, by an abios, a hobby horse, consisting of an oval frame covered in black oilskin, which has a small horse's head in the front with a snapping jaw. This is led by an individual known as the Teaser, who is dressed in white and carries a painted club. The procession also contains a retinue of white-clad individuals, some playing accordions, melodians, and drums. Uh, this retinue sings a local version of a mayor's song. At times, this tune becomes a dirge, at which the abios sinks to the ground and lies flat. When the chorus becomes triumphant again, the os rises and continues along the procession. So, you know... His emotions are tied into the songs that they're singing. He's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, jacked in, feeling the vibes. Everything about this festival makes it sound like a real rager, at least to me. Because, you know, when they're walking, dancing with abiosses, trying to wrangle women into their capes, nobody is probably a sober individual at this point. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so either. 
Um, there are various versions of these different types of festivals all over Europe. I mean, the reason why we started with talking about, you know, Feast of the Ass and such is because it's a similar type of tradition, kind of the same idea, you know what I mean? Just like mm-hmm. following horses around, you know, doing their thing, partying, traveling all over the town. Uh, Britain especially loves its hobby horses, and at some point, as traditions are known to do, Traditions of hobby horses merge with other popular celebrations, some of which take place in the winter, some that take place around the winter solstice, some that, well, quote, I remember as a child being taken out on Christmas Eve to the high street in Deal, where the shops would be open very late, and it was the only time Deal children were allowed out in the evening. Parents were very strict. As we would be looking at the lighted shops and listening to the people selling their wares, a horrible growl and a long horse's face would appear, resting on our shoulder. And when one looked around, there would be a long row of teeth snapping at us with its wooden jaws. It was a frightening, it was frightening for a child. Usually there would be a man leading the horse with a rope and another covered over with sacks or blankets as the horse. That was a quote from Naomi Whiffen. Edinburgh during the early 1980s. Huh. How do you feel about that? What's going on there? I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, well, the overall phenomenon involving these constructed equine creatures is also called hooding, where a man wears a hood while holding a horse skull as he is walked around by a, quote, groom, driver, or wagoner who carried a whip and led the horse by a bridle a jockey who would attempt to mount the horse, a molly who was a man dressed as a woman, and one or two musicians. All of the men were farm laborers, usually being those who worked with the horses. So there's a whole parade huh. following this constructed creature around. Uh-huh. And they've each got their kind of role to play, you know. I mean, they're, you could tell there's a few characters mixed in there. Uh-huh. All right, well, the, uh, the team performed the custom at Christmas time, and usually on Christmas Eve. The team would arrive at people's houses where they would sing a song before being admitted entry. Once inside, the horse pranced and gnashed its jaw while the jockey attempted to mount it, and the molly swept the floor with a broom while chasing any girls present. Sometimes they would sing further songs and carols. Upon being presented with payment, the team would leave to repeat the process at another house. Now, Interesting. Mm-hmm. There have been 33 instances of this practice in Kent before it became cool again in the 20th century. It never really went away, but you know things tend to have resurgences. Um, because, yeah, this stuff is cool again. But that was an example of the hoodening of Kent. Huh. Uh, another example of hoodening, um, because as I've addressed previously, there is a clear tradition of people dressing up like animals, often using real animal skulls or skull approximations, like sculptures made from wood, as the makeshift creature or hobby horse in England, even if or the surrounding you know British Isles, you know Wales, Ireland, even as it's not technically a horse. So it's not always a horse they dress up as, and that is the case with our next example, who goes by Old Tup, also called Derby Tup. Or Derby Ram. And if you guess that this homemade creature uses the head of a goat instead of a horse, well, he would be absolutely correct. I mean, mm-hmm. last name kind of gives it away there. Yep. All right. Yeah, it did. Now, Christmas was a wild time. Sometimes it still S- is. Still is. Still is. Maybe Christmas, not this year, but. Right. I know. Generally speaking. Be. Generally Christmas, speaking. It can be Christmas, a wild time is a fucking wild time. Uh, all right, so tell me if this puts you in the mood for holiday cheer. All right. I'm going to tell you a little story. I want to tell you about um, about Tup here. Okay, old Tup. All right, imagine, okay. imagine a group of human beings consisting of costumers dressed as each of these respect, uh, respectively. A leader for old Tup, uh, a butcher, the butcher's brother, a blacksmith, a collector, an old man, a woman who was a man wearing women's clothing who sometimes carried a broom, maybe a witch, I don't know, and Beezlebub, accompanying a hobby ram as it traveled door-to-door, putting on performances with spectators giving money to the group after witnessing whatever pantomime show the troupe had put on. How do you feel about that cast of characters? There's some intense ones in there. I <laughs> think you kind of escalates, right? It's just, yeah. 
It's, you know, a butcher, a butcher's brother, a blacksmith. Be- a Beelzebub? An old man, a woman who was a man. It was always a man wearing women's clothing. It seemed to never actually be a woman. And Beelzebub. Or Satan. Whatever. You choose. But yeah. What kind of shows would these be, you might ask? I'm sure you're a little curious. Uh, well, the uh, the butcher would be clad in a leather apron carrying a knife and steel. Often the old man character, or a boy traveling with the group, would follow along carrying a bowl. During the Yuletide performance, you know, presenting people with Christmas cheer, um, the butcher would mm-hmm. slay old Tup by slitting his throat, and the bowl carrying character would act out using said bull to collect old tup spilling blood as the creature acted out its death by falling to the floor. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's a that's a thing people do. Did do both. Both. That tradition had been recorded as early as 1845, but of course it definitely predates that. Yeah, I was gonna say I think that's some like Viking type shit right there. It's got some it's got some deep origins. Um and we get into it here. Where exactly the stuff came from, nobody totally knows. There's just a bunch of guesses. Like nobody knows for sure. Like, oh, it was started because this was a tradition from these people. Nobody really knows. But I mean mm-hmm. I've just been telling you a few of these things and like there's different areas of the British Isles where they're doing like almost the same thing. I mean you're kinda catching on to some of the variations. But, like, yeah. I'm sure you're picking up, like, what's similar with each of these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So what exactly did Tup look like? Uh, sometimes his ram head was sculpted out of wood with its tongue painted red. Other times the cloak or sheet was positioned to look like it had horns. Like, it was like a sheet in somebody's head and they kind of did little tied things to make it look like goat horns. You know, kind of that's the kind of like the low-key version. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the other version was, um, you know, using a real sheep skull. And um, that was fun. And sometimes the head consisted of a wooden frame with real sheepskin stretched over it with actual sheep horns mounted to it. When these later methods were used, onlookers sometimes complained about the smell. Who would have thought? Makes this sense. Is part of a, this is part of a carcass. Yeah. So, you know, just people going around singing holiday cheer, smelling like literal death. What a fun time. Mm-hmm. All right, well, but dressing up in costumes... Yeah, so hear this. Just think about dressing up in costumes, going door to door, and expecting something in return. Is this just trick-or-treating rebranded for the birth of Christ? Sounds like it, yeah. Is this this Christmas caroling trick-or-treaters? Because... All right, well, depending on the area, the custom either took place on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, New Year's Eve, or New Year's Day with the general thought that as long as it took place around Christmas time, you were good to go. Hmm. So just like, whatever, that's fine. Yeah. Imagine multiple day, socially acceptable, trick-or-treating. Wearing carcasses. Wearing carcasses from <laughs> dead things that used to be alive. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Also, imagine going door-to-door singing this song. I don't know how the beat goes, so I'm just going to say it to you. As I was going to Derby upon a market day, I met the finest Tupsy that ever was fed on hay. Say lay lum, lay lum, pitiful lay lum lay. The man that stuck the Tupsy was up to the knees in blood. The man that held the basin was washed away in the flood. Say lay um, etc. It's part of the song, etc. Fine. <laughs> etc. Oh, yes. Maybe, the, maybe that was just written for the chorus. Say lay um, lay um, pitiful lay um, lay. And all the women in Derby came begging for his ears to make them leather aprons to last for 40 years. Say lay um, it goes on. And all the men in Derby came begging for his eyes to kick about in Derby to take them by surprise. Say lay um, say, what the fuck, man? <laughs> we're just picking yes. this thing apart? Yeah, we're just ripping this, yeah, we're just ripping <clears throat> it apart, taking what we can get, yeah. The uh, website I had found those lyrics on had this written under it. Um, describing what would happen after the song or part of the uh, performance. As the singing goes on, the butcher, the, uh, as the singing goes on, the butcher pretends to stick the tup, and the old man with the bowl or basin pretends to catch his blood. When the performance is ended, they ask for a copper or two, and then they sing "Christians Awake." Christians Awake, indeed. 
what the hell, man? Huh. Weird. Yeah. All right, so... Sometimes after being alone to enter someone's home, old Tup would either... So yeah, they let Tup into the home. So sometimes after being alone to enter... Being allowed. Ah, stupid autocorrect. Sometimes after being allowed to enter someone's home, old Tup would either attack the residents. Playfully, I assume. I hope. (laughs) Maybe. Oh my god, whoa, what the fuck? Or to try to escape while being wrangled by his handlers. So it could be this little game where the Tup tries to get away, like... Imagine like doing circles around like your sofa if you just let these people in your house, and then just drinking, drinking and laughing like ah, ha, ha, this is fun. This is Christmas stuff. This total normal Christmas. Good stuff. old fashioned fun. Yeah, just totally just fun stuff. Um, the killing of Tup would sometimes end the performances, but not always. Again, this was pretty much up to the discretion of the performers. And sometimes, like Tup would like they they'd stick Tup, but it was described of like you know, and because there's no cu- curtain to like have the cast walk away they'd kill tup and then like it's over they could clap or whatever then like the dead mm-hmm. tup gets up he gets up after being murdered and just kind of like walks away which i assume would be very funny to watch <laughs> just get, yeah <all> right, bye <laughs> merry christmas yeah merry christmas <laughs> <laughs> happy holidays <laughs> this has got this dead sheep skull just, just sitting at its it smells right. horrible oh god these guys are fucking gross and I imagine if something smelled gross, like back in the day, it had to smell pretty fucking bad because, you know, everything, everything smelled, smelled gross. Nobody had everything deodorant. Smelled, everything was, was terrible. terrible. <laughs> right. People just adjusted. Yeah, it sucked. All right. So from Wikipedia, a little description, some little history on Old Tup. The tradition was recorded as being extant in an area of northeastern England that was 20 miles across. This area straddles the border between Derbyshire and Yorkshire, and it also extends partly into Nottinghamshire. The city of Sheffield was in the center of the area in which the tradition was recorded. The area of the tradition was bordered to the west by the moorland of the Peak District. 37 teams were recorded as existing in this area, averaging at one group every three miles. Every three miles, there was a tup running around. The tradition yeah. is much more sparsely recorded in the north of the this area, perhaps suggesting that it was less prevalent in this region. Now, unlike some of the other hoodenings that I've kind of mentioned, and some I won't even get to, um, old tup never went out of style. Like he's been a consistent thing, just existing. Um, so, in some manner, he's been happening. Um, unlike other hobby uh, hoodening or hobby horse traditions of Britain, he kept kicking. But other traditions, while having faded away, would experience revivals in the 20th century. And, um, well, never totally going away, but still experiencing a revival on what follows as one such character. Now, scholars are unclear of where its name comes from. Some believe it is derived from the name Holy Mary, while others think its name started off as more of a direct translation, which would translate to Grey Mare. Now, regardless of the origin of its name or the genesis of its final form, this creature is the infamous Christmas hobby horse. Like, if you look up hobby horses, this is like the one that comes up all the time. Um, hmm. Hailing from South Wales, known as the Mary Lloyd. Now, when I started this journey, I was under the impression that Mary Lloyd was just a weird oddity from Britain's past. Like, it's just some weird one-off, you know? Um what I okay. just read to you was like what I just read to you was things I had no idea existed. I had no idea that it was part of a broader hobby horse phenomenon. I had no idea that hobby horses and hunting was as prolific and varied a British custom as it evidently is with each particular region of the islands, you know, the areas that practice it anyways, tackling the idea in their unique way. I mean this is ins- I don't like what is going on here? This is insane. This is okay, intense. Yeah. Right? Yep. So at the core, the specific family of hobby horses of which the Mary Lloyd and Old Tup belongs act as follows. A group of jubilant fellows parade around a man, you know, covered with a sackcloth, as he holds a pole with a real horse skull on top. Now, the real horse skull was more uh, Mary Lloyd. A lot of the, um, it seems to be there was more carvings of the Tup, but the point was they would still use sheep skulls, so it's still like the same fucking thing. Um, so he'd hold a real horse skull on the top, sometimes covered in jingle bells, ribbons, you know, whatever seems festive, with Christmas ornaments acting as the horse's eyeballs, and they go from house to house, trying to gain entry through song and performance. So, this would kind of go like this. Homeowners would greet the Mary Lloyd, Travelers with song. However, greet may not be the best term because while old Tup's interactions seem pretty straightforward, you know, 
do the performance, come in, you know, get some money. Uh, the homeowner would either either they're, they're having fun here or they're not. But with the Mary Lou, it was a little more involved because they would use their songs to deny the Mary Lloyd entrance and its band of revelers entry into their home. This would begin the game. So, I'd like you to imagine a rowdy, a.k.a. probably wasted, I mean, definitely wasted. Yeah, I mean, definitely they're British, wasted. so yeah. Definitely <laughs> wasted. <laughs> yeah. And look at what they're doing. They're parading around with a dead horse skull singing Christmas songs. You're drunk. Mm-hmm. Roaming around the neighborhood. One of whom was holding a real horse skull on a stick and dressed like a ghost trying to get into your house to, quite frankly, party hard. Again, a man holding a real horse skull on a stick as he's dressed like a ghost, singing songs as you sing songs at him, and in your songs, you're trying to get him to go away. Merry Christmas! Sure. That sounds like a good time. It sounds fucking I'm in. It's, it sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, Again, it does. these are the things. Um, these are the things that people would get up to, you know, before television, before they had video games to play. You know, they would hang Man, out. I with... need to get rid of all that stuff so I can start doing weird shit like this. Get rid of all your modern entertainment venues and just start playing with bones and dressing up like a ghost and finding songs to sing. I mean, I, mean, I got right... a horse skull outside. Let's do Zach. this. Zach, <laughs> like, Zach, it's the season. Yeah, let's Can go. We do Mary L- Our, well, okay, all right. All right, I made, okay. Gotta. Mm-hmm. You can, can you make a rig? Just got a jaw? Can we make it a wooden jaw? Anyways. We'll, yeah, we'll, why we'll not? Get, okay. Now, I'm picking, I'm picturing someone's mother yelling at a kid and his friends to get their noses out of those stuffy books and go out and play. And then coming back dressed as a butcher, a witch, and Satan, while one is now waving a bloody horse skull around with a pike. <laughs> hell yeah, let's go. What the hell are you guys doing? Celebrating Christmas! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's do this. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, bring your dead horse head to greet your neighbors with yuletide cheer. Hell yeah. Oh my god, I can't believe you have the horse skull. Fuck. Me neither. All right, well, now, the dueling songs would involve Team Lloyd asking permission to enter the house and the homeowners uh, presenting excuses as to why the horse could not enter. Ideally, the game would end and they'd let the horse in when they ran out of reasons that the horse couldn't enter. So basically, I mean, it was a test of wits and creativity. I mean, it was pure improv. Mm Now, granted, while I would absolutely be tempted to get crazy with these reasons if someone was to walk up to my house, I may just keep yelling, you're carrying a horse skull. It smells. It's, that's not normal around you? Around <laughs> yeah. your parts over there? <laughs> yeah. You're carrying a horse skull. Get out of here. And? But, yeah. <laughs> He's waving it around like, you got any beer? Because that's what they would want. They'd want to come inside to, like, eat food and, like, drink beer. Like, I mean, those, in the analogy of Christmas trick-or-treating, you'd have beer and you'd have treats waiting. Food, dinner. Yep. It's a pretty good arrangement. Now, granted, well, I, okay, yeah, well, here is the song, The Lude Crew, Lloyd Crew. It's spelled L-Y-W-D because it's Welsh, so sometimes I say lewd when it should just be Lloyd. I mean, I had, don't. My, my Welsh deep dive was pretty cute. I'm just going to throw that out there. Would sing to you at your doorstep. And this is translated from Welsh. Here we come, dear friends, to ask permissions to sing. If we don't have permission, let us know in song how we should go away tonight. I have no dinner or money to spend to give you welcome tonight. Now, lots of times the troop and homeowners' um, barbs would rhyme with each other. So, like, you know. They would say, you know, a line. You would yell back, try to rhyme, and you'd play off each other. Again, it's a door-to-door improv, rewarded with food and ale. Everybody's just having fun, which I would... That does sound like a lot of fun. It does sound like fun. It sounds cool. The Mary Lloyd troops would themselves be dressed up in fancy Christmas regalia, often led by a man in a leader role carrying a fancy stick. Again, a lot of these hobby horse traditions have a lot in common, regardless of the region the tradition arises from. Um, I like the variety of the old tub costumes, you know, the butcher and stuff, but I mean, still, dressing up and going door to door with standard greeting, asking for goodies. I mean, this is, tr- this is Christmas trick-or-treating, and I want it in my life, 
and you have real made me realize it's way closer to happening than I thought. So that is fantastic. Yep. <laughs> All right, but they would dress up in fun regalias and stuff, but they would also um, dress up as Punch and Judy. We don't need to get into this aside, but those are notorious characters in British slapstick, often depicted in puppet shows, but here by real people. Um, it was extremely common for one of the men in this group to dress as a woman, while others would play instruments. So again, you can see the commonalities. There's always a group with this thing, going around, dressing up as characters, being absurd. Mm -hmm. Here's an account of one of those festivities. Um, an account from... Oh man, I can't pronounce that word. Nantgar described such a performance in which the Punch and Judy characters would cause a noise with Punch tapping the ground to the rhythm of the music and rapping on the door with a poker while Judy brushed the ground, house walls, and windows with a broom. The householders had to make Punch promise that he would not touch their fireplace before he entered the building. Otherwise, it was the local custom that before he left, he would rake out the fire with his poker. In the case from... Um... Lingu... Lingwood, Welsh man. However, there are no interplay between the householders and troop, but rather the latter were typically granted entry automatically after singing the first verse of the song. Now, this goes on, and it says, Once inside, the entertainment continued, with the Mary Lloyd running around, neighing and snapping its jaws, creating havoc, frightening children, and perhaps even adults, while the leader pretended to try to restrain it. The Mary men played music and entertained the householders. Mm -hmm. All right, so going to have you, you know. Now, I've been drunk once or twice in my life. How about you? Once, just a few times, Never. once or twice? Okay, well, Never. all right, so try and use your, your best, um, you know, projection abilities to try and figure out how this may come across. You know, use your imagination, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely no drinking going on over there. No, none, none. Okay, well. Imagine participating in a long-spirited verbal battle between you and a group of your friends who showed up with one of them carrying a horse skull with a cloak draped over him, you know, like a ghost. And then after letting them in your house because you ran out of clever and funny ways to deny them entry, you let them in, showering them with food and even more alcohol. And then imagine the experience continuing as one of them pretends to control the horse-skulled spirit beast as the beast itself flails about, gnashing and slamming its jaws open and shut while making obscene and preposterous growling slash neighing sounds. I don't know if I should say this, but that doesn't sound that far out of the realm of possibility for me. <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't disagree. That sounds like it could possibly happen. Yeah, is that just is that just a few clicks away from like <laughs> some things that have happened or will happen? I don't know. <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, I. I mean, for better no. or worse, I'm, I'm just right gonna say there. no. That's never happened and never could possibly happen in this household. For better or worse, I will say the same. That, of course not. I've never been around such a situation in any house or even that one or any house whatsoever. No. <sighs> Some writings state that you could get away with doing Mary Lloyd stuff until the 12th day of Christmas, which, you know, that ends up being like January 5th or 6th, depending on when you start counting. Christmas Eve or Christmas when Day. When do you start counting? I have no idea. I it's like like Christmas like begins the twelve days of Christmas, which I'm all about because I I always thought it kind of builds up to Christmas, right? Because that's like that's an what advent I would calendar. Yeah. But I think it seems like once Christmas hit, it was like boom, bitches, time to go. Like just keep going. You know how people like you know you take days off for Christmas well, and days pretty for close me. to the winter solstice. Could it start at the winter solstice? Yes, I would like it to absolutely. That would be fantastic because yeah. I mean maybe that's what I'm doing. Nick. Oh man! Oh. Why are you? Where did that horse skull come from? Nay! Oh my god! <laughs> I walk into I walk into like a public establishment. They made me wear a mask. Oh my god! It's what is this creature? <laughs> <laughs> what time of year is this? <sighs> Again, but they're like, I mean, can you imagine twelve days of just twelve days of just that? Anyways, all right. Well. Not only was this hobby horse tradition found in England and Wales, but Ireland, Carrick County specifically, boasted its own rendition called the Lair Bane, or Bon, which translates to White Mare. Also, white horses are usually called greys, is what I learned, so even Mary Lloyd could just mean a white horse. 
They're called huh. grays. That's the thing. All right. So, but yeah, whatever it is called, and regardless of how it got to be called that, the custom of dressing up like a dead horse and parading around with your friends, singing and partying wherever you went as some of your friends play sick tunes in the background is a fantastic tradition that I wish existed on this side of the pond. Right? Yeah. And I also feel its potential resurgence as part of a modern generation who is welcoming traditions once shunned by mainstream Christianity. You know, things a little too dark, a little too creepy. Because, I mean, how many... Like, Krampus is all the rage now, and he was not always that way. You know what I mean? It wasn't that common to talk about a Krampus. Even just, like, 20 years ago, it was not. Nope. But... People have been around forever, though. So right, exactly. It's just yeah, it's built into it. It just got forgotten about, got kicked to the side. Now people may be taking a look back at some of these traditions that have fallen by the wayside. Both South Wales and Kent have embraced their heritage. These hobby horses are a sign of patriotism for them. Perhaps they are again a pagan holdover from the worshiping of. Um, there's also the Celtic Celtic goddess Epona whom was often depicted as being surrounded by and riding horses and using these horses to take souls to the underworld. It's incredible. Regardless, the Mary Lloyd and its sister hobby horses that roam across Britain are incredible. Whether they arise around May Day, Christmas, New Year's, or even Easter, they are wonderful traditions that I wish found footing in America. Then again, whenever this current crisis is over... Whenever this pandemic perhaps reaches some level of normality, I would love to experience this British tradition firsthand on British soil. But, um, then again, Enfield, Illinois is known for having its own festival celebrating donkeys. Maybe the hobby horse tradition needs to find its way to everyone's favorite equine American holiday, Mule Day. <laughs> yeah, Mule Day. To show up, what are you doing? <laughs> We're here, baby, for the mules. What? Yep. Anybody just listening should go back and listen to the episodes early on about, well, maybe not, but they'll, they'll be fun. You'll, they'll be a treat because you can hear us get excited about Mule Day. Because we're still talking I'm about I'm still excited it. about Mule Day. I'm very excited about Mule Day. But anyways, it is the season. Christmas trick-or-treating. I didn't know it was this close to being an actual thing we could literally do because, come on, guys, we'll all wear masks and somebody gets the horde of horse skull. Mm-hmm. What could... I think we'll be fine. Maybe? Yep. Hopefully? Hopefully. But anyways, that's the tale of the hobby horses and the Mary Lloyd. I hope I hope you did some googling to look at these things because they're I've terrifying. Already heard, in every I've already fashion. heard of this thing, and it's fantastic. It's fucking terrifying. It's and fucking I will terrifying. read you a quote from a friend of ours who has suggested okay. this to me before. Please Mary do. Lloyd is the new king of Christmas. It is a horse-skulled person that shows up at your house and sings rhymes to you, and you have to retaliate with reasons why he can't come in. It's a rap battle. If you lose. He gets to come eat all your snacks and drink all your beer. So, yes. I've heard of this before. Yes. And I am very aware of it. I thought you may have. I thought you may but, have. What? So, but but yes. you drew the Christmas episode this year. So, this was going to be what I dove into and I didn't. It was so going been, to be? Yep. Oh, God, I was so almost we, hoping. I was we, almost hoping. We almost finally collided. God, I was ho- I was I honestly was kind of hoping because I'm like I was pretty sure this was been on your radar. Oh, it's but been like, on my I radar. Wasn't, but I haven't but I touched it. But I've heard the name. I mean. Well, you, good yeah. news is you can make a Mary Lloyd and this can happen. Yeah. I got a horse call just sitting outside. It's fine. Is this one of our first videos? <laughs> Christmas caroling with a Mary Lloyd in the Midwest of America. What a bunch of yeah. psychos. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's it's pretty cool. It is cool. 
I just think, you know, no, we shouldn't, n- nobody should be gathering really in mass this year for obvious reasons, but for all covered in sheets, dressed like crazy creatures and things, I mean, I mean, nobody's going to want to get six feet close to you anyways. That's so. true. It <laughs> will stay, stay way out of somebody's yard. Just imagine yeah. walking through a neighborhood like this. What's going on? The cops get called. <laughs> Celebrating Christmas. Happy holidays. Yeah. Tradition. Don't you believe in Jesus? What does that have to do with... Just... Come on, guys. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I like the idea that it, it can... I mean, it can just... It can happen for a long time. Oh, yeah. All right, well... If anybody's as excited about the Murray Lloyd as we are, email us at weirdandfreepodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on the Patreon because guess what? We're going to keep fucking talking about this and it's going to be a great treat. I can almost guarantee it. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, follow us on the Instagram, the Facebooks and everything. Um, I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, the Murray Lloyd guys, come on. I mean, what the hell? I had no idea it was all, I didn't know idea it was more than just one thing. There's so many of these things. Yeah, yeah, that's second a lot. In, second invasion. Uh huh. And there's like, there's even a couple I didn't even talk about because the, the stories are basically the same idea: going house to house with a skull, and just having a great fucking time dressing up in costumes. I mean, imagine if you, you Merry Christmas and you see this thing next, and and the, somebody's dressed up as the fucking Beazle, as the fucking devil, as Beazlebub. Like, as you're singing Christmas songs, that's the yeah. that'd be the kicker to sing actual Christmas songs. Oh my god! All right, well, I don't know. What do you think? You staying spooky? I think we're staying spooky. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We're keeping it spooky through Christmas. Yeah, we have to. Just keep the train fucking rolling. Spooky, spooky Christmas. Mm Because yeah, this. Yeah, we got some. Yeah, spooky Christmas. Here it comes. Okay, stay spooky. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.